Hi guys and welcome or welcome back to the podcast and welcome to season two. I'm your host Indira. Today I'm going to be kicking off this new season with heptathlete, vegan, med student and athlete social media influencer Lauren Davey. She's a very resilient, determined and talented athlete with a lot of very valid and need to talk about points. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Before we do, make sure that if you're enjoying the podcast, you follow and subscribe as well as leave a rating and review. This really, really helps the podcast out and means I can get the best content to you guys. Okay, let's get to it. So Lauren, hi, how are you? Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing really well, thank you. Great. That's, you know, always, always a good way to start. And so can you introduce yourself as an athlete, a little bit about, you know, what events you do and stuff like that? Yeah, so I'm a Welsh heptathlete, so I do track and field. And the heptathlon is seven track and field events over two days. On day one, we do the hurdles, high jump, shots, put in 200 metres. And then on day two, we do the 200 long jump and 800 um, so I've been doing that since I was, well, I've been in athletics since I was 13 and then started the heptathlon when I was 19, just before COVID hit, just perfect timing. Um, and I'm also studying full-time medicine alongside this. And I'm really passionate about sports, sustainability and veganism or plant-based eating. So that's me in a nutshell, really. Lovely. No, loads to unpack there. And I mean, first heptathlete we've had on the podcast. So that's definitely really awesome. exciting. <laughs> and before we get into it, just a little bit of a new format. So got a couple of quick fire, you know, questions just to give everyone a bit of a taste about what might be to come. So off the top of your head, what would you say is your biggest lesson learned from sports so far? I think that it's, I think kindness comes above performance. So the biggest thing about sport is actually sport yes, performing well and being a good athlete and being strong and fast is is cool and it's important but I think how you treat people is more important so through my like in my time in sport it's who you meet it's how you treat them it's what you learn from other people is a lot more important than the results at the end of the day so that's my biggest lesson in sport absolutely a beautiful beautifully put there as well okay and what is the next biggest goal on your agenda so my biggest goal Firstly, I need to get healthy. I've got some sort of chronic pain, illness I need to get over and I'm not going to perform if I can't get over it. So that's my number one is finding out what this illness is and getting over that. Um, But my biggest goal in athletics is 2026 Commonwealth Games and 2026 European Athletics Championships. I've got a couple of years to qualify as a doctor and then get them down, hopefully. Wow. Yeah. No, lots to do there. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully you'll achieve that. Okay, what's one piece of advice or the number one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? Take every single opportunity. Like, do not say no to anything. Like, go to as many events as you can, go to those competitions, unless obviously you're physically injured and you're told not to because you hurt yourself. Just go, don't let fear stop you. Speaking to anyone, doing anything, going anywhere, just do it all. Nice. Brilliant. Okay. Anyone, anyone listening, take those on board. Okay. Mm -hmm. And lastly, what topics do you feel most strongly about within athletics or as an athlete at the moment? It's a lot (laughs) of topics. Um, You can have a few. Finances. I'm quite 
obviously I'm hot on I think diet nutrition as well is like massively misunderstood as a whole mind field um and then probably perception of female athletes in like the general public and to men as well they're probably like my three biggest like um I think that's what I believe in in sport at the moment yeah absolutely three of the most important ones there for sure as well okay so let's dive right in let's start kind of from a financial lens you know that's something that hasn't really been unpacked so far in terms of finance would you say that you've ever had any financial barriers in in sport so far yeah totally I I, I personally believe finances is like my biggest barrier really um in sport you know you lose out on these opportunities if you're unable to afford the facilities unable to afford um going away for international opportunities and able to afford you know with seven track and field events you've got the spikes you've got the equipment um and then obviously initially I couldn't travel to Cardiff um which is a city about an hour away from me I couldn't travel there because I couldn't afford a car and I had to work so I could get a car then now obviously I have to fund this car ensuring that it can take me here and there petrol so I think financially that's been like my biggest barrier and it to that stopped me being able to get like the best coaching and the best facilities and the best training unfortunately yeah yeah no it's really tough and it definitely is a huge barrier because these days there's more and more services available and those who have parents or you know the finances to access them it really does put them put them at a bit of an advantage and there you mentioned you know certain opportunities can you elaborate on any of the opportunities yeah, so um, you've got international opportunities within athletics. So heptathlon, I think there's about three to four heptathlons a year in the UK. Mm. Um, to even get there, people don't realise you've got to apply, register, and that will be anywhere between 20 and £100. You've got to then travel, you've got to pay for your own accommodation, and you don't realise. I think I had to self-fund myself for the British University Championships indoors in February that's just been... And luckily, my father said he'll come with me and he'll pay it all. But it ended up being £450. Wow. It cost me £450 for a three-day competition in Sheffield to travel from Wales, the accommodation and everything included. But then as you become a better athlete or you want to you know, increase the scope and horizons to international opportunities, you have to go abroad. And again, that all has to be self-funded. Um. Welsh Athletics and British Athletics hardly fund anybody. And even if they do fund you, it's minute amounts. There isn't much opportunity for, you know, winners rewards, you know, in other sports, you may go to like a cup or some sort of championship and you might win some prize money. There isn't much of that in athletics. So, um, yeah, it's pretty tough. Yeah, definitely. And if you're comfortable talking about it, in general, I guess a sport like heptathlon, you've got so many different events going on. What's an average yearly cost kind of looking like? Yes, yeah, so I think my parents calculated this before I became independent. So I think when I was about 18, um, so this was actually before I even started the heptathlon properly, and they calculated they spent 10000 that year on my athletics, you know, including the club memberships, the travelling, the accommodation, um so that's what I have to find myself now and and that's why I have four jobs and people are like where does your money go and I'm like it goes on my sport it goes on the travel people don't realize how all these little things put together 
even the nutrition, you know, for supplements, etc. That is just, it is really key for you to be at the top of your performance. It costs so much money. Yeah, gosh, that that is an astonishingly high number. And yeah, like you say, it to perform at your best these days, you know, this amount of money is required. And so in terms of if we start with, you know, funding opportunities, have you ever received any funding yourself? Yeah, so I was lucky I was put on like a British athletics um to call it like ACE programme when I was younger. And that I think provided a few hundred pound mm-hmm. and that was it. And then I was on Welsh Athletics funding last year. But again, they didn't fund you directly. They just offer physio support and they offer you free facilities to um, one of like the sporting facilities in, in Wales. That's only based in Cardiff. So again, even being on the funding programme, it doesn't give you much funding. And then at the moment, I'm with Swansea University. I have the scholarship at Swansea and that is £500, which I'm grateful for. But where does that take you? Like in the whole year, £500. Um, but they have a really good package at the moment. They've really improved um, this year on the scholarship and there's physio, there's referral systems. So we have like private healthcare, which is really, really good. And then obviously I get free access to track, gym, pool. And if you do count all of that, then I'm lucky I don't have to pay for that anymore. Um, and then the other funding I've got is through social media, which is why typically I've kind of let it slide lately, but typically I'm quite hot on my social media and I'm trying to create a brand myself because that is the biggest way at the moment that athletes develop an income, which is through sponsorships. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, it just, it really is lacking in, in terms of being able to achieve what you need to. So let's go towards, you know, you say you've got four jobs at the moment. What does that even look like? And surely that must be taking a bit of a toll in, in other areas of your life. Yeah, totally. I'm quite lucky. I've made sure that the, all of these jobs are fully flexible. So I don't do all these four jobs every single week. Like some of the jobs, I think one of the jobs, I haven't done a shift in four months. So I say I have four jobs, but they are very flexible um, and they're all so different. So I get a pick of where I can work and what I fancy doing that day. So I do some pre-game like presenting and hosting for Swansea City. So I like to do their games. But again, it's fully flexible. If there's a game I can't make or if I'm competing that weekend, then I won't work. And then I'm also a healthcare assistant, but it's for a private like agency. So again, I work as much or as little as I want, but they are like 12 hour shifts. So I kind of, I try and schedule like a month or two in advance and just try and see, okay, do I have a Sunday free there? Do I want to work? Um, so I do try and make it as flexible as I can to try and incorporate um, sleep and nutrition and get a routine going but obviously it does make life difficult because I have to work I do have to keep working so I'm able to afford my life basically in this lifestyle as an athlete um but it is made easier through the flexibility okay yeah no definitely and I think it's worth pointing out here you know Lauren is one of your top top heptathletes in the country really I mean she was ranked 16th of all women last year in in the heptathlon so yeah we're looking at someone right at the top of the sport and this is the situation that they're in would you say that without kind of expending the amount of money that you have done over the years and without some of the support you've got at the moment and money that you're putting towards support for your sport you would be able to be at the level you're at or continue to improve no and to be fair like 
I'll say this like humbly I feel like I still I'm not where I want to be or could be because I just feel like there's so many barriers in place and it's really difficult not to fall into this victim mentality because some days I do I do have bad days and I do think like what am I even doing this for like I am fighting I'm fighting I'm fighting I am working I am keeping up with my academic studies and I just feel like yes that like I said there's some support in place now at the moment and definitely with this Swansea scholarship I'm really grateful but I still feel like I am nowhere near, near where I know I can be, which is what kind of keeps me in the game because I know my potential is just so much further than what I've even touched. Um, but totally, I think the barriers massively impact not just myself, but a lot of other athletes um, being able to achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, you mentioned that knowing within yourself that there is more to come and there are more things that you could access – have you got any specifics that come to mind in terms of things that would help you get to that next level? Yeah, so I think um, nutrition support. And like I said, I've got this chronic pain and illness. I've had to put £3,500 aside in the last two years to try and find out what that is. And then obviously I'm waiting for medication for that, which will cost money. Um, But I think, again, going back to international opportunities, I've only done three heptathlons, actually. So this wow. is what I'm, yes, this is what I mean by I haven't put myself in the best position or I haven't had the opportunity to really showcase what I can do um, because of these barriers. And for example, now last week, Belgian Championships are on. I organised myself. I was going to self-fund myself to go out. And unfortunately, due to illness, I decided not to go out. But I think if we were able to increase international opportunities for young athletes, coming through who have the potential to be scoring 5,600 plus and potentially 6,000 and going to the, you know, going up to Olympic and world champ standard. I think if those international opportunities were increased, then we'd have the chance to do the heptathlon. For example, imagine speaking to a hundred meter runner and they've gone, oh yeah, I've actually only done 300 meter races. Like you'd be like, what? You've only raced three times. Like, of course I've competed and I compete in individual events all of the time. But I've only ever put three heptathlons together. And that's due to the lack of availability, lack of funding. And like I said, even when it comes to traveling up to Cardiff at the moment, I think it's like I'm spending £400 a month on petrol. Wow. And then I've got to pay £6 to get into that facility every single time, which doesn't seem like much, but it adds up. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously it's logistical stuff then that comes around you know when do I eat do I eat before driving up do I eat in the car and so it's I think it's lots of little things that haven't come together yet that I think an athlete needs to be put in place like every single athlete needs a really good schedule needs good logistics needs finances and opportunities to propel themselves to where they they can be Gosh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so many factors these days. It really is a minefield in its own in its own right. And mm. in terms of, I guess, you know, you've touched on it a little bit there, but overall, what are your thoughts around perhaps what British athletics or the sport in general could do to improve maybe access to the sport and, and the financial and funding side that goes along with it? I think everything initially comes to exposure. Like, mm. The World Championships are on right now. And like, did you did you know that? Honestly, of- it was via a friend. I was like, why are you in Hungary? Oh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think it all comes down to really the crux of it is like the World Athletics Championships are on right now and nobody knows about it. I could walk down the street, mm. 
and nobody knows about it. We have a Welsh girl, the first Welsh girl in the 1500 meter final this evening. Nobody knows about it. No one's celebrating it. Like, you know, it's it's not all over the news. And then KJT won the heptathlon yesterday. Again, it's okay in the athletics bubble. It's well known. But again, like my sister wouldn't have known if I didn't tell her. So I think it all comes down to, in general, sport in the UK is not being marketed well. To watch the world champs, I think you had to go onto like the BBC app and then like red buttons. So it's not accessible. Um, so people aren't watching it. And because people aren't watching it, there's no funding. And then if there's no funding, the funding doesn't then go to, you know, these athletes. Like I think KJT will have funding. She was the only GB heptathlete. But we have like another three girls this year over 6,000 points who couldn't go because they didn't get selected to go because British athletics don't want to pay for them to go. So, I, but it all comes down to exposure and marketing of the sport, I think, initially, which is why it's so important that athletes brand themselves at the moment. Like, I have to brand myself because I can't wait for Welsh Athletics, British Athletics to brand me. I can't wait for them to give me opportunities. I have to go and find them. So I'd say from an individual point of view, if you're an athlete listening to this, you have to brand yourself. You have to get yourself out there. You have to find these competitions and get yourself in them, like back yourself. Because if you're waiting for your governing body to put you in a race, to wait for an international opportunity, they're not going to come. And like I'm in my early twenties now, and it felt like only yesterday I was eighteen. And I thought I got I got years, I've got years, I've got years, and I was just waiting for people to give me opportunities, waiting for funding to come to me, and it's it's not going to, because people aren't even watching the world championships. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, so many incredible points that you mentioned there. And yeah, absolutely stuff to really take on board. You know, being proactive is absolutely key to success by the sounds of it. And, you know, within the sport in terms of, you know, you mentioned there the importance of getting more exposure. Do you think that there's anything in terms of the way that the sport is is run in terms of competitions that might improve kind of the interest the general public have in watching and in particular with heptathlon there I mean it's absolutely shocking to hear you've only done three do you think that there's any ways that there could be more kind of hype or roots into heptathlon yeah definitely I think Gotsis do this really well there's a hypermeter in Gotsis every single year and like every heptathic stream is to go there because they make it an event they they sell food and drinks there and then I think this year Birmingham University have been really good at I think they've had a couple of open meetings and they've made them like um, open meetings where a lot of spectators are um, expected to come through again, food and drinks are sort of making it like an enjoyment, like an, like a festival sort of thing. Cause yeah. if you go to a lot of like opens from like a younger age group perspective, you'll go and there's, there's no atmosphere, there's no music that, you know, the commentary isn't like amazing. And it's just a couple of families kind of watching a few races go by and, there is something that separates athletics football. You know, a lot of people watch football because it's one game, there's two teams, and, you know, it really just it captures every viewer right from the start. There's something about athletics with different races going, different events going at different times that doesn't capture the viewer. And I think nobody really knows the answer as to what can we do to make the sport more interesting. But I think we need more characters in sport. Mm. I think we need to make these competitions like more electric with atmosphere with environment we need to offer spectators something at the end of it um 
so yeah I think getting universities involved like I think my favorite race I've ever done was actually at varsity and it was a really low standard competition because it's Welsh varsity but we got all the football and rugby boys around the whole track and like they all had like whistles they all had like those you know like hand clapping you know I don't know what they're called but the things that make noises yeah. and everyone was really into it because like Cardiff versus Swansea and they made it an event and there were people drinking there, et cetera. And I don't, I don't mean to create a drinking environment around athletics, but just create some sort of environment where people will enjoy. And that was one of my favourite races because there was hype, there was atmosphere. that, And that doesn't, there's no atmosphere around a lot of these competitions. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, it's so important for them to do, you know, creating that environment. And I think it's also interesting, you mentioned their characters, the idea of maybe, you know, watching the story of an athlete all the way through and I mean you mentioned earlier that you yourself have been struggling with some chronic pain recently and would you say that with that you've seen any dips in your performance or a lack of kind of opportunities for competition and stuff like that yeah totally I guess like the last two years have broken me so like in 2021 I pb'd in every event I found a coach that really worked for me and I really found myself into heptathlon and I'd completed two heptathlons that year and and I well I didn't qualify for the Commonwealth Games but I got selected by the Commonwealth Games Committee for like a development program because they saw I was improving because they saw the standard was increasing so I was in a really good place and a lot of things have happened and this chronic pain now has just massively impacted everything I do and I'm like a whole second down on my hurdles at the moment which doesn't sound like much but in athletics it's huge a whole second is just huge and like I said, at the moment, you know, I can improve my financial state, I can improve my logistics, and maybe I can improve my diet, etc. But until like my health is sorted, I'm not going to be able to, you know, improve or succeed where I want to succeed in. So hopefully, I get this sorted soon. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed for that. I mean, it is really, really difficult when, you know, life throws the additional unknowns at you. And especially yeah. when you don't have answers, it's like, what am I meant to do here? Yeah. And in terms of that Commonwealth Development Programme and the support that you were having at that point, you mentioned 2021 being a really high point. Have you felt that there's been less support when you've dipped following this? And do you think that yeah, that's totally. something that's definitely contributing to the lack of kind of characters and stories and journeys that people can follow within the sport yeah I find that I don't know whether it's because of the the small pool of funding that the sport has is as soon as you are at your peak as soon as you've created a performance you are treated differently you know as soon as I performed well I was offered physio I was offered medical advice immediately for free I was, you know, everything was at my fingertips. I had funding, I had free access to things and I really felt support around me and I really felt like an athlete. I was like, wow, like, you know, this is incredible. And then the second then I decided not to do the Commonwealth Games because I was ill. I tried to push through a physical injury, which is very different. Mm. And this is what I try and emphasize with this illness is this illness has hit me so much harder because if you're an athlete, you can say, oh, you're injured. Of course, an injury is hard. Of course, an, you know, a journey through injury is, is lonely and upsetting and difficult, but that's part of sport. And you speak to anyone, you know, someone's ruptured an Achilles, somebody's got patellar tendinopathy. These are things you hear in sport and people get over. But when you are ill, it's, it's another ball game. 
like trying to to people they'll, like, don't know what it is and it's impacting your performance but it's not an injury it's just like what <laughs> yeah yeah no it's really really tough and do you know any potential causes as to where this came from or any ideas as to what you're suffering with at the moment at all yeah, so it's like a post like vaccine inflammatory condition. Um, so it's either autoimmune or like inflammatory, and it's been like it's it was triggered by the COVID vaccine, which again yeah, makes it yeah. really um controversial in itself. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's been really tough to take because I feel really let down by you know the government really and like yeah. my governing body, and this is like nothing I could do about it and I've not been well since and it's yeah it's been tough and I've had 16 blood tests I've had six MRIs I have an MRI next week as well they offered me they offered it to me today but it's next week now um and it's just taken a lot out of me financially taking a lot of time out and again like now you know mentally I'm not at the top of my game I'm not performing well and trying to explain to people I'm not performing well because I'm ill it's really tough so it's been it's been a whirlwind gosh yeah no that's really really tough and would if you had to single out one thing that maybe has impacted you the most perhaps from you know an athlete perspective or performance perspective what would you say that is and is it mental or physical oh that's tough because obviously my symptoms are physical yeah but I can cope I can cope with the pain and I can cope with not, I don't know. Yeah, it's not the pain that bothers me. It's actually how the pain is now impacting me, my performance, and that that's impacted me mentally. And I was fine for months. I was dealing with the pain. I was upset because of the pain. And I was trying to perform. But yeah, trying to perform, trying to turn up every single day, trying to train, trying to put everything into it. And you're just you're still in pain and people don't know why people don't know how when you're ill I think yeah I think eventually mentally it impacted me more so I think I would have always said initially like physical is more important but like I think in the last couple of years I've really really proven to myself and I think other people are starting to wake up actually mentally like you need to be in a good place because even if you're physically well and you're on that start line you don't believe in yourself or you don't know how it's going to go or you don't know how to control your emotions you're not going to perform well so I think mentally being being mentally strong is really important to sport so mentally I've been more impacted I'd say in the last couple of years even though my physical health and this physical pain is present mentally I'm more impacted for sure yeah no that will make sense and I think it's only becoming more clear and there's more evidence to kind of back up the importance of the mind and you know that mental mental health and physical health really are on a par with each other and I know going back a little bit here you know you mentioned before that you felt very you know you were treated quite differently after you performed well you know all the support comes flying into you at that point but it's almost too late would you say at that stage that the support comes once you once you get there do you have yeah. any thoughts around maybe, you know, why that might be happening or what could potentially be done to get that support in place at an earlier stage or maybe potential groups of people who are being let down, especially by this the current system? Yeah, I think there's so many people and I can just think off the top of my head, just 10 people that I either train with or train alongside me 
in Cardiff that all been let down and, and the system's wrong. They wait for these performances and then they cling on to you. So, oh, you did really well. I really, oh, yeah, look, we'll have you now. And it's like, no, did you not see the years and years and years that have led up to this and actually when I needed you? So totally the support system is wrong at the moment. They need to be identifying potential athletes before they perform not once they've already performed or they're at their peak because you're missing out on a lot of athletes that aren't going to reach that peak or they're not going to perform because there's a huge pool of talent that's not being supported. And to be honest, I haven't got the answers as to how we can change that. Like I just, we try and create development programs in Wales, but the kids either don't show up or the coaches aren't inspiring the kids. I think there's just so much talent that's been wasted. There's so many people have come through and to be honest, I've already given up now because the support isn't there. Yeah. Because the support is only, I think, in plastic, there's like five athletes on the funding programme. Wow. That and they've been insane. From, yeah. And they've been insane from a young age. And yeah, they're just, in my opinion, they're just luckier than a lot of other people that could be just as good as them. But they have other barriers and it's really frustrating. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, yeah, I won't fault you there for not having the answer straight to mind. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's such a difficult one. And what are your thoughts around the fact that these days, you know, some people are accessing additional support at a younger age and therefore coming in already with a certain level of support? And it, and how do you then differentiate, I guess, between, you know, people who've got some support and some who don't? It, it definitely is difficult. Yeah, I think we just need to try and even out the playing field really and like somehow drop these barriers and it it shouldn't matter in sport whether it's athletics or any other sport or anything in life really like even academically it shouldn't matter where you come from who your parents are how much money your parents have I think every single athlete coming through the system if there's a child in front of you or a young person in front of you that wants to do a sport and believes that they can make it in sport because they've been inspired they should be given every opportunity to reach our potential they should be entered into races and I think the school system in athletics does really well because that's what grabbed me there's a really good um system with the schools international so you go to like local schools you go to your county school championship and then you have the potential to compete for Wales and I compete for Wales only at the age of 13 so that was a really good opportunity for me um but once you leave school at about 16 there's then nothing and there's not many opportunities. And I, I've seen Welsh Athletics have tried to improve the opportunities by increasing the amount of open competitions and um, by creating developmental schemes. But again, we're just still missing the mark. And there's still so much disparity between somebody that has money and they're from Cardiff to, you know, a poor girl that lives in the middle of nowhere down Carmarthen Way. They don't get anything. There's no facilities. There's no performance pathway. There's no coaching. And I'm still here because... I don't even know why, but like, I'm just really like determined, but there's so many opportunities. Sorry. There's so many paths along the way. I know I could have just left and gone on. Oh, nah, I'm not doing that. Like there wasn't, there's not even a heptathlon. There's like one heptathlon coach in Wales and they live up in Cardiff. It's just like an hour and a half away from me. There's just no, there's no continue continuity for children that are inspired. Unfortunately. Yeah, no. Yeah. It really is a tough sport. And for you, what, really triggered you to go towards heptathlon and what did you do in that gap between you know leaving school and where you are now and what kind of kept you in the game if you if you can think of one thing yeah so 
it's tough because again I, I didn't really stay in the game like I've always been into health and fitness and gyms I've always stayed in shape but there was a time between the age of 16 when I was in college and I had to catch three buses to go to training that I kind of got lost and my memory's not very good right now but I can't really recall what I did between the age of like 16 15 16 and 19 because I got injured really badly when I was 15 mm. um I broke my ankle doing long jump and I yeah. it took me about 18 months to get back and then there's a been a, there was a blur of like three years where I was sort of like oh I'll try and stay in it I'll do a few competitions I'll keep training but again I didn't have the coaches that really supported me didn't have the proper environment at university but what kept me in it I just I was 19 and I thought I just know I can be a good athlete and right now there's no one here for me I'm just dilly-dallying about training here and there there's no system I don't know what I'm doing in terms of my food and I went to a national coach and I went to him like I need you I need you it's like now or never I know I can be a good athlete I've I've done some long jump, I've done some high jump, I've done some hurdles, but I've never really done a heptathlon and I want to be a good heptathlete. Let's just do it. And that's where we started working in 2019. In 2020, we worked over COVID. Um, I rebuilt everything. I found my weaknesses. For example, I was terrible at the javelin and I just broke it all down in my own garden in COVID. And then in 2021, I like PB'd and everything. It was like, oh, wow. Like, And then since then, it's just gone again. <laughs> Yeah. No, you'll you'll be back up there. It's, you know, might be a longer down, but the lower the lower down you go, the the higher you've got higher to go, go up, up after. So sure. <laughs> I'm not giving up. <laughs> no, you sound like you've been a fighter right from the start. So I have no doubts that will carry you through. Okay, so something which has definitely, you know, come through quite strongly is this idea of being proactive, you know, going out there forging the path you want and earlier you talked about social media and you know building a brand for yourself how did you start that process and what does that currently look like for you yeah I think it came from after COVID when there was a massive reduction in opportunities because of like traveling and the restrictions and people had to make more of a brand for themselves individually and that's where my Instagram started to improve so I would get a few opportunities from like small brands and I just it, the idea just clicked one day and I thought you know I'm trying to make something of myself within sport and this is a pathway here that I can I can do that so I just started working on my Instagram I already was like very proactive in terms of like what I believed in on there so like my veganism and I just thought okay I'll just brand myself as an athlete and try and see if opportunities come from this and it did and I got connections from um, competition providers I got connections from you know like lots of people across the world saying I'll come to this meeting oh we'd like you to wear this product we you know can we send out these to you and I it just kind of just happened one day because of after COVID and um, because of the reduction of opportunities. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. And I, I still do that to this day, but it's proven very difficult, you know, trying to, trying to keep engagement on social media, trying to um, keep, even keep up with creating content. You know, it's really difficult. And I can imagine you, you know that yourself, it takes a lot of time to create good content and to edit and to, and to put it up and, it is, it is tough, but it's definitely a pathway that athletes can use to get themselves out there, get their beliefs out there and create a character for themselves. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And it is true. It is insanely time consuming how much any sort of content does actually take. And so far with your experience, you know, you mentioned they're getting kind of some connections, you know, reach from some brands and stuff like that. What's it been like working with brands and you know, has there been any challenges and barriers associated that with that or, you know, any benefits in particular? Yeah, I'd say there haven't been any challenges or difficulties. All the brands have been really proactive and lovely. Um, I think I have quite a good communication with the brands. So, you know, if there is a brand I don't want to work with, I tell them, you know, why and that it doesn't align my values and, and typically they're okay with that. And then if there is a brand, and I, I really believe in, I want to work with. Again, you just communicate what you're able to do for them, why you want to work with them, why you want to use the products. So I think as long as you keep the honesty and integrity up and you communicate, then it's really good to work with brands and because you see that you're helping them, they're helping you. Um, it's really an, an enjoyable experience, really, and I hope that more athletes get that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any tips or kind of things that you learned along the way in creating your social media presence that maybe people listening to this who want to do the same could apply? Yeah, I think you need um, like a strong vision of, of what you want people to see on your social media. So I think you need to sit down and say, right, how do I want people to view me? Or what do I what do I believe in? You know, do I believe in mental health? Do I believe in sustainability? What am I doing my sport for? You know, like some people are like very religious and they post about how God helps them. So find what your why is and use that why to brand yourself and say, this is why I'm doing sport. Because like we said about characters in sport and the journey of sport is very important. And what you believe in and what you stand for is important. And that's who, you know, that's who's going to stay next to you at the end of the day. Those are the followers that are going to want to see how you're doing. Those are the brands that are going to want to support you. So find your why, find your niche, find your sort of aesthetic, as they say on Instagram and just be passionate and go with it and really stick to it yeah no great advice there and for you what would you say that that kind of niche or particular passion that you've honed in on is yeah so for me I actually did sort of lose myself um because I initially had that my niche is like you know I'm a vegan athlete plant-based and I haven't been able and again this comes down to the logistics of where I live and the lack of funding and then like I've been on the road too much but I wanted to initially post a lot about veganism and vegan nutrition haven't been able to do that but that is my plan going forward now when I am settled I'm moving back to Swansea in my own flat I'm hoping I find a schedule and I can settle and I can really show people what I eat and, and make it aesthetic because right now I'm eating some pet and hummus in the car like it's not it's not doing good for an Instagram post so my initial aesthetic is like proving to people that you can be vegan and you can be of high performance and I like to post a little bit about animals but I also like to post about balancing so people really like my posts about balancing medical schools academic studies and um, balancing that alongside sport and alongside jobs so I think that's what my niche is it's showing that you can have multiple things going for you and also there are barriers and there are down days but you just keep pushing through so I think my Instagram's about like positivity balance pushing through barriers being realistic and then I do post a little bit about mental health as well because like I touched upon the last two years I've really struggled with that um and I found like a new empathy for how 
mentally you can be really affected in sport yeah no definitely and I mean it it is a lot to kind of navigate and it, it's hard sometimes to maintain a certain authenticity you know you mentioned there like the hummus and the pit is in the car and you know yeah. whilst that's true it is true that people on the internet are mean like they they're not going to accept hummus and pitters people want to see something that's a bit different or a bit more kind of adventurous would you say that you know how have you dealt with that kind of maintaining authenticity or you know catering to create something that actually gets an audience versus portraying the message that you have in in your heart yeah so I think it's just about balancing what you believe in to know it and then all Balancing what you're doing and what you believe in, but also having the audience in mind. So I have kind of told myself when I am back in routine, I am going to be a bit more open and just post my story like I've only had time to eat this today because I kind of want that like, Mm. I want to be genuine on there. Like I don't want to be like, oh my God, I drink green juice every morning. Like, no, I don't. Like some days I actually don't have time for breakfast. Like... So it's about being realistic as well. So I think it's, yeah, so it's about just having that vision, having that belief in yourself and, and what you believe in and just trying to portray that and and, and not, not be too bothered, you know, if you can't post this week or, you know, this, oh, this food doesn't look aesthetic. Like keep doing what you're doing. And if you create content that you think looks good, post it. If you, if, if you're going through that day and you're, having a, a few tough weeks and you can't create content then don't you know don't put too much pressure on it and again like you said people can be mean and you know a lot of people will unfollow you or people can leave nasty comments but like just take it in your stride like it's okay yeah no absolutely and that's such a great attitude to have so in terms of you know overall would you say there have been any challenges at all or any things that have you know come to light with being an issue with you know greater Instagram presence yeah I think for me it's how probably men view women or how men have viewed me I think in the last two years of my Instagram growth I found that the engagement of posts where maybe my body was more present or you know it's like a bikini photo would do much better and I and that's where that's where I touched upon earlier where I got lost I thought okay these are the posts that are doing well I'm going to post them and then I realized very closely I, I look like a bikini model like it doesn't look like I'm standing for anything here and because I that's why I kind of didn't change my values my values stayed the same but I, I didn't allow my values to dictate what I was posting I was I was dictating what the engagement was so I thought the engagement is better on these posts so I'm going to keep doing them rather than right now I'm going to stick by what I stand for and if these people don't like what I stand for they don't enjoy the content of veganism or nutrition then they can leave um so that's kind of what I've learned in the last two years of like an online presence is unfortunately people are going to have certain views of you people are going to want certain things from you um but you cannot allow that to impact who you are and what you stand for and if people don't, you know, like I post vegans, you know, I might post like a vegan story. I'll lose like a hundred followers because those people were initially attracted to like my bikini posts or like maybe my selfies because they think I look good. But if they don't believe in what I stand for and who I'm, you know, why I'm an athlete and they want to leave, then like, that's the door. Like, that's the door. It's fine. 
Um, but it is about balancing that because if you want to do well on social media, if you want these sponsorship opportunities, you do have to cater to an extent. So you will still find a balance in my feed. Like I, I still like a bikini photo, but then I'm going to post on veganism and then I'm going to post what I eat in a day. And the people that believe in me, support me as a person will stay. So at the moment, my engage, engagement on social media and my presence is changing because I'm, I'm changing what I'm posting, but for the good, for the good. Yeah, no, that's really great to hear. And I think it's such an important point there, you know, that balancing the engagement, if you want those opportunities, you know, in the modern world, not commenting on whether it's right or wrong, but the current situation is that. And, you know, to make a change, you do have to start small and, you know, it is baby steps. I guess, you know, in terms of there, you mentioned bikini pictures, you know, high engagement around them. How are your, you know, how do you feel about posting, you know, bikini pictures? There's a lot of, I guess, controversy in some respects, you know, on the one hand, is it empowering? Then some people are like, no, maybe you shouldn't be showing your body. You know, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I I see why it's controversial, because unfortunately, women have been sexualized for years. So I just take it as my body is strong and my body allows me to do my sport. I work hard for my body and I know it looks good because I'm physically strong and fit. And that's how I see my bikini photos. I want people to appreciate them for that is how hard I've worked. And that body allows me to jump far, to jump high, to throw and run faster than most of the men looking at me. So, and I see empowerment in that because if people tell me I shouldn't do this or I'm training to be a doctor and no one's going to want to see their doctor online in a bikini, why not? It's my body. I work hard for it. I'm not sexualizing it. I'm not being suggestive. And I don't want people to see me as just a romantic or sexual interest because I'm not, I'm not giving my body to anybody. Like, I actually have very strong values in who I share my time with and my body with. And I know that I know my worth, and I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit rebellious, but the more people tell me I shouldn't be posting bikini photos, the more I'm going to be like, Hey, look at me. I'm on the beach today and I look great, but I will not, as long as I don't make them suggestive or sexual, I will keep doing that. Like I will keep doing that. And I enjoy it. I enjoy the sun joy being in a bikini so why not yeah no absolutely you know I mean that is so true you know there should be more confidence in women being able to say you know what I am happy with my body or you know this is my body and you know let's celebrate it so absolutely I think it is so important to stand by your values and your morals Right. Well, I guess, you know, we're kind of coming to the end of our time now. It's been an absolutely packed, packed discussion so far, you know, covered some really key and important topics. So thank you so much for coming on, Lauren. You know, it's been incredible talking to you. You've definitely, I think, given people a lot of things to think about. And let's give a, you know, shout out to your Instagram. If people do want to come follow you, what are they searching for? Yeah, so it's just my full name, Lauren Louise Davey. Um, so if you want to see some vegan content, if you want to be inspired using plant-based foods, or you want to see me in bikini times ten, then there we go. <laughs> yeah, lovely stuff. And yeah, well, all the best with you know your journey going forwards. Best of luck with finding some answers, and hopefully we will be seeing you in 2026 on that Commonwealth Games start line and European champs. So thank you. Uh, thank you. No, thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed. No, thank you. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
If you did, be sure to rate, subscribe and leave a review. This really helps to get the content out there. And I want to make this podcast the best possible for you. So go follow Fitter, Faster, Happier on Instagram. That's Fitter, Faster, Happier to leave your questions, comments and feedback and for updates and guest requests. All the best for the week ahead, guys. Run happy, live happy, be happy.